Welcome to episode 13 of the Radical Simple Living podcast. If you've been here before, you will know the format. I talk (laughs) and I don't talk to a script. I've got some notes jotted down, but that's as far as it goes. And uh, I let it go where it goes and you can follow me. Uh, That's the joy. It's fairly one-sided, but don't forget you can leave me comments or get in touch with me on social media. I'm always pleased to hear from you. If you're a first-time listener, especially warm welcome to you. I hope you go back and explore some of the back catalogue of podcasts here. Now, there's an old joke. There's lots of old jokes, but this one you will know about the old man standing at the side of the road and somebody goes up to him and asks them, him directions. How do you get to? And he says, here's not the best place to start from. Now, I promise you that's not what I'm about. Uh, the, the podcast is about radical simple living and it assumes that you have some interest in pursuing simple living in your life, either because you're already doing it or because you have a plan to do it or because you're just kind of interested in why people do it and wondering if one day you might like to take that plunge, even if it's just dipping your toe in the water. Now, I'm not going to tell you yours isn't the right place to start from because I can't control that. You can't control it. You're where you are now. You're who you are. You're where you are. And if you're going to start on simple living, uh, you're unique. Your journey will be unique. It, It won't be the same as mine. It won't be the same as somebody living down the road. It will be different. That's the joy of it. Because simple living hasn't got a starting point and an ending point, it's a journey. And that journey can take you a distance or no distance. It's a bit like how long people live. We know all the time we hear about uh, famous people who die at the age of 80 or 90 and we think, oh, that's, uh, that's quite a life they had. And then you hear something terrible that somebody in their 20s or 30s has died. Now, they don't know when they start off in life that some people's journeys are going to be short and some people's journeys are going to be long, but we soon get to know that. And it's the same with simple living. We don't know where we start from and we don't know where we're going to end up, but we do know which road we're on. And that's important. Now, I have uh, people who've known me over a number of years will know that my um, relationship with social media isn't an easy one. And the reason it's not easy is because I've always had this challenge about living a simple life and talking about a simple life or blogging about a simple life or tweeting or posting about a simple life because one seems to interfere with the other. And uh, in winter, it's fairly easy for me to sit down and go on Mastodon or go on Facebook and, and talk to people and answer queries and do postings. But as winter turns into spring, that gets more difficult because more and more of my time gets taken up with the process of growing food and then all summer that goes on and then the autumn I'm busy processing food and canning and pickling and bottling and so all this takes time and sometimes I'm afraid social media interaction takes a bit of a back seat 
I don't really have any big apology to offer uh, to you for that, other than that's what life is. Uh, a life lived is a life lived, and a life blogged about or tweeted about isn't always the same thing. And sometimes I wonder when I see people that are on, you know, doing this all the time, how do you get time to do all the things you've got to do as well? I find it a real struggle in those summer months. I get up, I get going, I fall into bed at the end of the day and there's really not a lot of time for anything else. That's one of the reasons I've taken up podcasting because I consider however tired I am and however little time I've got, I can sit down at the end of a working day and spend half an hour talking to you. I don't have to script it. I don't have a, a set of producers and technical advisors here. So it's easy. I can do it. Just like having a conversation is fairly easy. Now, while I'm here and while we're talking about social media, I want to introduce today's topic by saying I do get asked lots of questions on social media and many of them aren't really quite some of them are questions some of them are dressed up as questions how could I do this or how do you do that and I'm always happy to answer them but they're the other kind of questions that are sort of more of a statement and what they're really saying what people are really saying is well I hear what you say about simple living and I think it's a good idea and I can understand the points you make about it's it's good for you as an individual, it's good for the ecosystem that we live in, it's good for all kinds of spiritual reasons. And they can see that, but they don't want to do it themselves. And the reasons they don't want to do it themselves are because of these limiting factors. People will say, oh, I'd love to live simply, but I live in the middle of um, Seattle. Or... I'd love to do simple living, but, you know, I, I, I'm in my 70s and I can't do it. Or, I'd love to do simple living, but my partner would never agree to it. Those kind of issues we're going to address today. And remember, I'm not going to tell you what to do, because this podcast isn't about telling anybody how to do anything. It's about opening up some suggestions that you might like to follow up or you might like to reject. And it's not about telling you, you must do it this way or you must do it that way. It's saying, have you thought about doing this or have you considered doing that? So those are the premises that we're starting off with. The idea that what I'm telling you now isn't what you should do. It's what you might want to think about doing. But I'm going to highlight some of these things that people mention to me as the reasons why they can't do what they would like to do. And I'm calling them limiting factors. Okay, the first limiting factor that people bring up an awful lot is the issue of housing. What people say to me is, I haven't got the room to do this. If, for instance, you're talking about canning food, if you're talking about preserving your own food and keeping a stockpile of it, people will say they haven't got the space to do it. It's impossible. People will also say they've got a big family and the house doesn't allow them to really have the space to do those things. He talks about making their own clothes and dressmaking and they say, well, I haven't got a room I can do it. I can't run a sewing machine. The only place I can do that is on the kitchen table and that's impossible. 
And these are real problems. I'm not trying to diminish them. These are real issues that people have. And I'm fairly lucky here that uh, the house here is, is, is a good size. I'm able to do all sorts of things in it. But I haven't always lived in a house this size, so I do understand the problems to some extent. The only thing I can say to you is that you can look at how other people do things. And sometimes that can give you practical ideas. Oh, I hadn't thought of doing that. I hadn't thought of doing this. And sometimes it can actually just inspire you. When you see that somebody's got a very small house, a very small place to live, an apartment maybe, but they manage to do an awful lot in it. And the reason they can do an awful lot in it is because they spend an awful lot of time planning things out. Where can this go? Where can that do? And if you really want to do it, you will. For instance, somebody that's interested in sport will always find room to store sporting equipment in their house. You know, they will always make the space because it's important to them. And all I can say to you is that simple living, if it's important to you, you will find a way to do it. Look carefully at every room in your house. Decide, first of all, if there's things you don't need anymore. If you've got an exercise bike that you don't use, if you've got a large amount of, of equipment or something that you don't really use anymore, perhaps those things could go to allow you to do more things with simple living. Kitchens are essential to simple living. So look at your kitchen first. Are there things in your kitchen you could get out of your kitchen that could live in another room? Um, have you got enormous appliances that you could actually change for a smaller appliance? That's a possibility. So have a look at your housing. Now we all know what the ultimate answer is to people who find housing is a problem. Look for somewhere else to live. And I know that in itself isn't always easy, but it's one of the things you might like to consider. And we'll come on to that a little bit later on, because the second um, thing on my list here is also relating to where you live, and that's the land that you have. Possibly the biggest problem people have with what I post online is the fact they will say, yeah, you're talking all the time about growing your own food. You're talking about the joys of digging and the joys of sowing and the joys of doing this and doing that and harvesting and preserving. But I haven't got any land. And so how can I do those things? Now, again, I'm not trying to diminish this problem, but there are solutions to it. And our very next episode, which I plan to put up in a couple of days time, is going to be devoted to how you can produce food without land. Now that, to some extent, that might mean growing things on your windowsill, but that's not the only thing it involves. There's lots of ways where you can cope with and process and grow and harvest food that isn't dependent on you having land. So next week's episode, won't be next week, it'll be, oh, in three or four days' time, I record an episode, especially for urban homesteaders who want to be producing their own, home, uh, their own food in their own home but are having problems because of lack of land. So that's coming up. The other solution to that problem is, of course, find somewhere with land. 
and you might think this is totally impossible but people do move houses for all kinds of jobs and if you really are serious about growing food and you really are serious about simple living you might want to look at the possibility of changing where you live at the moment to somewhere else if you rent you could try and rent somewhere with land if you buy you could think of selling and buying some with land it may involve you moving out of town a little bit it may involve you all sorts of things and it's not a journey to take on lightly but i do promise you this if you do get land and if you do start growing your own food you will not look back because the advantages to you in terms of not just the amount of food you grow and how much money you save but how much better you'll feel what an interest you will have and what exercise you will get from using that land, even if it's a fairly small plot. Now, I'm not much of a person for dream interpretation, uh, but I have had a sort of theme to my dreams over all my life, ever since I was quite little, until oh, before going to school, when I was maybe three or four. And I still have these dreams now, not as often as I'd like, because I quite like them. And it's a dream of living in the house I'm living in at the time. Sometimes it's a previous house, but usually it's a house I'm living in at the time. And then finding a door that I didn't know was there. I find a door in a house. It could be in the bedroom. It could be anywhere in the house. And I open this door and sometimes there's another room that I didn't know was in the house. So you think, that's mad. I've lived in this house for five years and then I open a door and find a completely new room and sometimes I've had that dream where I open a door and there's an incredible garden outside it and I'm told by people that do analyze dreams that this often means that people are aware that some new opening is happening in their life and because the house is very important to us as humans when we dream we dream of a new dimension to our home once I dreamt as a child, a road to the seaside. When I was a little boy, I dreamt that if I took a turning just a few yards down from my house in suburban South London, there was an alleyway and it led you to the sea. And I actually can remember having a look and seeing it was there. Of course it wasn't, but it was my imagination telling me that there's more to life than this. And when you start growing your own food, it's like opening a new door because suddenly there's whole loads of things that become important to you. The weather and the soil and the, how much it's raining and if that frost is going to come late. All these things are a new dimension of your life and they do help bring you closer to nature, closer to the seasons, closer to the weather. Probably if you're in a, a, a built-up area with other people around, it'll bring you close to your neighbours too. They will take an interest in what you're doing and talk to you about it. They might complain about it. You never can tell with neighbours, can you? Um, but it, it will change your life. And some people say, oh, I tried it and I failed. Well, the answer to that is, if at first you don't succeed, try again. My My mother will be proud of me for that one. She was a great one for these little bits of... Scottish wisdom that she had. Um, if at first you don't succeed, try again. Now, it's a good philosophy. Nobody gets to start growing food and it's an amazing success that first year. You've got to keep working at it. Some things will be a great success, 
other things won't. You work on it, you get it better. So housing and land, and again, moving could solve these problems for you. It could solve the next problem as well, that the problem is geography. Some people say, I would love to grow my own food. I would love to have a vegetable plot and grow some fruit bushes and some fruit trees and grow some flowers for pollinating insects because that's just as important as growing food for yourself. But I live inside the Arctic Circle or I live in the deserts of uh, North Arizona, somewhere like that. Now, what you've got to do is say, right, obviously the geography is going to have an enormous effect. Geography has an enormous effect on me. I live in Sweden, where winters are long. They're not incredibly cold, but they're long, and the growing season is short. But when the growing season comes, there's long hours of sunshine every day and very warm temperatures, and I manage to compensate somehow. But geography is always going to have an effect, and there are some people that are growing in the wonderful area like the south of France or uh, somewhere where their soil is very fertile and the climate is wonderful. They have their problems too. There are more insect pests. There are more rain restrictions. There, so nobody has it perfectly. There are a few places in the world where you can say these are ideal conditions for homesteading. But those are the areas where there are already people doing things there. The land is expensive, property is expensive. So somehow you've got to compromise with the geography. I do watch um, YouTube videos of people who are doing amazing self-sufficient things in the north of Sweden, in Alaska, in the north of Canada. It can be done. There's also that people that do wonderful things in the tropics. There's some wonderful um, people in Southeast Asia who have a very small area of land and manage to grow enormous things on it, uh, it provide an awful lot of their diet. So geography is important. And if you're determined that your geography is bad, and that may be as simple as you live so near the coast that the, uh, the air has always got the taste of salt on it and the wind takes everything out of the ground, there are ways you can work on this. Okay, Other people have succeeded where you would love to succeed. So look at what other people are doing. And again, if geography is too big a problem for you, then you've got to do something about that. And the real lower key geography you've got to think of is urban, suburban, rural. And of course, there's something beyond rural, which is um, remote, isolated, now, all of those have their benefits and have their disadvantages. Urban homesteading is a challenge, but it can be done, and lots of people do it successfully. Suburban um, homesteading can be incredibly successful. Some people manage to produce vast amounts of food on a very small amount of land, and you could be among them. There's plenty of places on YouTube, Facebook pages where you can find people that are really doing wonderful things with suburban homesteading. And then, like me, there's those rural people. Rural homesteading has advantages. It also has some disadvantages. It's not plain sailing. 
uh, you're a longer way from anywhere. You get less help. There's less shelter. In many ways, some of the pests and things. Talking of pests, there's a cat that wants to come in. I'll be back. I'm back. Sorry, that cat was particularly indecisive. I wants to come in. Um, where was I? I was talking about, yeah, the rural rural homesteading has wonderful advantages but disadvantages and very remote homesteading almost requires something from within you. You need to be somebody that likes to be alone, you like to need to be somebody that likes to be desolated and I realise when I'm talking about alone, a lot of people feel very alone in an urban setting. So in many ways loneliness is something that is an issue, but it's not necessarily related to geography. Some people can be very lonely living in the city. Okay, the next issue that people raise as a limiting factor is what they do for a living. And they will say, oh, my job requires me to travel a lot. So any idea of simple living is there. I live out of a suitcase a lot of the time. Or a lot of people will say, my job involves me in working antisocial hours. Or my job is just so demanding that uh, I'm a healthcare worker, for instance, and my job is so demanding, I don't have a lot of energy left for simple living when I finish. And I would say to those people, yeah, I, I, I respect those difficulties, but there's some things you can do. It depends really if you're doing this on your own or if you're sharing your simple lifestyle with another or others. You might live in a community rather than a partnership. But if your partner doesn't have the same kind of demanding job that you can, that you have, they can do a lot and you can support one another. You might be bringing home the money to support the simple living and they might be devoting the time to simple living. If you're on your own and doing a very difficult job and you're really convinced you want to live simply, maybe a change of job is in hand too. Not if it's a career you really love and you're attached to, but if it's something that irritates you as much as uh, uh, encourages you, then maybe a change of job is in line. And again, coming up, there's a special edition of this podcast all about work and simple living because the two are not incompatible. Next thing I've got listed on my, that's me, the sound of me crossing that off. Next thing I've got on my list of things I've jotted down is age. Now, a lot of people say, oh, if only I'd have started simple living earlier. If only I was in my 20s again. And a lot of people say, oh, I'm too old to go in for anything now. I'm in my 60s, I'm in my 70s, I couldn't possibly start. It reminds me of that little maxim um, that says, when you're young, you have energy and you have time, but you have no money. Energy, time, no money. When you're middle-aged, you have energy and money, but you have no time too busy with your career and when you get old you have time and you have money but you have no energy now there's a lot of truth in that isn't it these three things these three things 
that we need in order to do anything we want to do. That's as much if you want to be a uh, a great um, tightrope walker or a great uh, painter or a great gardener or any of these things. You need time, you need money, you need energy. And a lot of people think that age is the thing that's the big problem because they say, well, I'm not going to have enough energy to live simply. Well, I think you could look at this very carefully. And again, an awful lot depends on whether you're doing this on your own or whether you're doing this with a family or a partner. But energy tends to expand the more you do things. I get tired. I get particularly tired in winter. And it's winter when I'm recording this now. It's in January. I get particularly tired. That's the time of the year when I have least work to do. In the summer, when I'm really busy. In the summer, I'm getting up. I'm doing all the things in the house I have to do. The cooking, the cleaning, the everything else. I'm looking after children, I'm looking after pets, I'm looking after the house. I'm going in the garden, I'm harvesting, I'm keeping pests under control, I'm watering. It's very dry here, so watering can be six, seven hours a day, sometimes in the middle of a drought. And then you're always worried that the water is going. And where I live means outside painting jobs, window frames, barns, all that has to be painted in the summer months. You can't do it in the winter. So in the summer, I'm really, really busy from the time I get up to the time I go to bed. And you know what? I have more energy in summer than I do in winter. Because there's something about driving yourself and there's something about physical exercise and physical work that energises you. Those among us who are listening, who are sports people, will know this. They'll know that the more sport they do, if you're in a sports team, You'll know that when you're, it's in season and you're practicing and you're playing your sport, then you have more energy than off season when you're not spending as much time keeping fit as that. And we all know people that have taken up fitness, they've taken up weights or they've taken up running or rowing or any of these things, they in themselves are energizing. And working hard for your simple lifestyle does give you energy. And as far as age, I think 70 is a great time to take up simple living. I think some people in their 80s take up simple living. Maybe you're going to do it slower. Maybe you're going to do it um, for less hours every day than somebody that's 20. But you can get the results. You can do it. Just think of scale. Think of um, the targets you set yourself. But I wouldn't say age is any barrier to simple living. And if you're the other end of that scale, if you're somebody who's very young and you want to take up simple living, do it. Go for it. Work at it. You will find it hard work, but you will also find it incredibly rewarding. Now that leads on to the next thing on my list, which is health. And of course, health goes along with these things. And it would be wrong to assume that everybody involved in a simple lifestyle is incredibly healthy because as there are those diseases that we get maybe by sitting in a chair in front of a computer all day long. The repetitive strain injury, the back strains, lots of headaches, 
lots of neck ache, frustration, depression, all these things come from modern life. Not only, not exclusively, some people, I'm sure in the late uh, Roman period used to get these things as well, or the early Middle Ages, but the point is modern life doesn't always do wonderful things for your health. And some people face health problems that are going to be an issue. Now, I'm not suggesting if you've got a terrible health issue that you're struggling at the moment to overcome, that now is the time to sell up and move to a farm in rural Pennsylvania or somewhere and start digging. What I am suggesting is that nobody else is going to take care as much of your health as you are. And you can devise a program of simple living which is going to work around the health issues you have and is going to help you. I, I have a health issue myself. I have ankylosing spondylitis, which if any of you know anything about it, means your back tends to lock rigid. And I get that and it hasn't stopped me doing what I want to do. I've worked around it and I can honestly say that uh, there's pain sometimes and there's discomfort, but the, you can you can get by it. You just got to pace yourself and say, well, the back's not so good today. Today's not the day to do this. Today's the day for another job. But you can work around your health issues just like you work around your age issues. Now, perhaps the biggest issue here is this one that I'm putting a big ring round around on my list here. It's about relationships and family. If you're in a relationship with another person and you are determined to go off and live in a hut in Siberia and they want to stay living in Saffron Walden, that's a place in, in east of England for those of you that, that don't know the geography of the UK very well. It's, it's, a, it's a very charming place. But if you have that incompatibility, there's got to be some compromises. There's got to be a way where you say, well, you know, maybe Siberia is a bit far away and maybe we could move somewhere. So we're not too far away from Saffron Walden and we can live simply that way. You've got to come to some sort of an agreement on that. And unless your partner is absolutely hell bent on not simple living, there's things you can do. It's very hard for them not to live simply and for you to live simply. It's hard for them and it's hard for you. When it comes to family, if you've children, yeah, if they're young, you can involve them in that. If you suddenly want to thrust it on them when they're teenagers, that's a challenge. And I think what you can do, the only thing you can do is allow them to opt out of the process a little bit are saying, right, you know, we're simple living, we're doing this. You don't have to be, we're not going to force this on you, but it would be great if you want to be a part of this. Some of them will resist that strongly. And again, we're going to have a, an episode coming up that is going to talk very much about managing simple living within a family unit. If you're on your own, it is in many ways much easier but in other ways, it's also very much more difficult to adopt simple living. But you can do it. I think the message I'm coming up with so far is that you can do all these sort of things. Now, the next thing is money. And a lot of people say, 
I'd love to live simply, but I, I just cannot afford it. I don't have the money to do it. And the first thing I'm going to say is all of us need to have money. I'm not one of these people that believe you can live without money. You can do it for a while, but you can't do it for long. And those people that do live without money quite often do it to make a, a YouTube series about it or to write a book about it. And in a way, that's giving them money at the end, isn't it? Although I, I know making money from YouTube isn't the easiest thing in the world. But people do need money. And if you think you don't, you're wrong. You will do. You will need some money. What I could properly suggest to you is that simple living won't make you rich but it will allow you to live on a much reduced income than you possibly do now. Because you're producing more of your own goods, because you're reducing your needs, because you're reducing your expectations, and because you're reducing your need to seem respectable to other people, you can lower your expenditure a lot. And that may allow you to work less hours, it may allow you to retire early. It may allow you to sell your house and the money you make on that set you up in a simple living thing. The one thing I will say is a bit of my mother's advice coming through here. Cut your coat according to your cloth. It's no good coming up with highfalutin plans of starting a, 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 a ranch up somewhere with, you know, if you haven't got the money to do it, you can't. You do, if you want land to live on, need to A, buy it, B, get a mortgage for it, or C, pay rent. And in many ways, renting or buying a house with land attached to it isn't any more expensive than renting or buying a, a place to live without any land associated with it. But you just have to think in a different place. If you want to buy a house in the middle of an expensive city, London, New York, Los Angeles, then you're not going to be able to afford a place with land. If you move to somewhere, small town in the Midwest, um, somewhere in Wales, somewhere in, in Sweden, somewhere in France, you can afford to do this, but you will be further away from a city. But then the further away you get, the more cost effective it becomes to live simply. One thing I will say to you, apart from a mortgage, which is a permissible thing, don't get into debt to start living simply because debt isn't simple. Debt is complicated. Debt has tendrils that reach out and pull you back from where you want to be. It doesn't leave you. Debt will stay with you. It'll be there when you wake up in the morning and there when you go to bed at night. I'm not saying this to make you feel bad if you are in debt. I'm just saying getting into, if you're not in debt, stay out of debt. If you're in debt already, don't get deeper into debt. That's not what simplicity is about. That's complexity. Okay? Somehow, if you want to live simply, you will find a way. Okay, you may need some help and advice on doing that, but you can find a way. Now, another very common thing that people say is, I haven't got the time 
to, li to, to live simply. And of course, nobody has the time to do anything. You do have the time because you have every day 24 hours, the same as every other human being. It's how you choose to use that time, which is the important thing. You know, some people say, I haven't got any time. And then when you examine what they're doing, they're spending a lot of time on social media every day. They're spending a lot of time watching television every day. There's nothing wrong with doing these things, nothing wrong with watching television or watching movies on a streaming network. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you reduce the time you're spending on those things, you'll have more time elsewhere. If you say, for instance, right, at the moment I'm spending a lot of time doing this, a lot of time doing that. Look at it carefully. See if you can break it down a little bit and see if you can make more time. There's another edition coming up all about time. What I'm really saying is there's so much to talk about with all these issues that we need to go into them in more depth and we will do on other occasions. And finally, a bit longer today than normally, I, I, I've got a lot to say today and I'm sorry if I'm... Uh, if I'm delaying you, you can always pause and come back later. I'll be here. Okay, you pause, come back later. I'll still be here, I promise. Um, the last thing is ability. And this one upsets me most because people, a lot of the time, will contact me on social media and say, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do what you're doing. You're so much cleverer than I am. You're so much better at doing this than I would be. Those people have no idea how <laughs> wrong they are. I've been gardening all my life, but I've been living a self-sufficient, a radically self-sufficient lifestyle for 20 years now. And I have made mistakes. I have got things wrong. I have done things that have ended up as disasters. There's nothing wrong with this. All of us have these things. If you look at any successful business person, they will tell you the same thing. Uh, they will say that you have to make mistakes. A journalist who I, I, I like reading very much once said that he was asked the question, what should you do by the time you're 30 to be a well-rounded person? And he said, you should work very hard at one thing. You should be very successful at one thing. And you should make a complete whole X of one thing in your life. A complete holix is a, a very British way of saying a mess of something. It's based on a, a, a beverage in, in Britain that's almost impossible to make without getting it wrong. Um, you will make that. You have got the ability. What you need is to work on your skills. Look at episode 12 again if you need some advice on that. Work on your skills. Work on your drive that wants you to live more simply and work on practice makes perfect. Keep doing things. Learn from other people. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Don't be afraid to take advice. And equally, don't be afraid to ignore advice. If somebody tells you something, you've got to do it this way, and you think, well, I don't want to do it that way, I would say, do it the way you want to do it. And if it turns out badly, blame yourself. Get on with it. Do it another way. Okay, it has been wonderful to welcome you here today. Um, I've enjoyed talking with you. Uh, if you want to find out more, please have a look at my blog, which is radicalsimpleliving.blogspot.com.
If you want to find me on social media, I'm Ray Lovegrove. If you want to see me here, subscribe. Tick like on the little box where you listen to podcasts and they'll throw up the next episode as soon as I've made it. Okay, thanks for living simply with me. Bye for now.